Uh, four things. Two are on the lighter side and two are not on the light side. Uh, so we'll do the lighter side last, I guess. Uh, number one, uh, if you've been following the news at all, there's been a massive, massive natural disaster in Oklahoma. Two, Acts 29, we're part of a network of churches called Acts 29. Um, there's been a lot of stuff happening in those churches. Uh, people have lost homes and things of that nature, and the churches there are trying to do what they can to love people in the name of Jesus. Um, there should be stuff on the city. You can be praying for them. Please pray tough. Uh, if, if you want to give towards whatever's happening there, uh, there's stuff on there to do that. And also, in the future, if you're interested in traveling there to help those churches rebuild some stuff, there should be some opportunities that will come up. Um, so we'll keep you posted on that. Uh, secondly, a lot of you saw in the city, uh, someone busted into our storage unit and grabbed our speakers. Uh, we had to fill out some police reports and all that stuff this week. Uh, just so you know, uh, just be praying, I guess I should say. Please just be praying for the guys who did that, that they would meet Jesus through this. We'll be okay. Speakers are just speakers. We don't need them to worship Jesus. God's been gracious. We've got speakers up and running. Uh, people in the church have stepped up and said, hey, we'd like to help here and there. Uh, insurance should cover some of it. But the main thing is we should be praying for the people who actually broke into a storage unit, saw a giant cross, and decided to take the speakers anyways, and then looked at all the speakers covered with the words Anchor Church all over them, and then did whatever they're going to do with them. So please be praying. On the lighter note, we're going to have nachos next week for church lunch. Um, So uh, I think Kathleen can help us uh, if you don't know what to grab, or it'll be on the city. So nachos next week for the meal afterwards. And then also we... uh, if you're unaware of this, we have a telephone application, is what the kids call them. Um, we have one for the iPhone. We just got one for, uh, they just turned on the Windows one. If you're a Windows phone dude, you can now get that. And you can grab that on the website, anchorseattle.org. I've never been to the thing, but I'm, I'm, I'm told this is the kids use this internet thing to get around. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, we're going to be in First Kings. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one over there. Um, and we will, I'll pray for us and we can go ahead and dig in. Uh, King Jesus, this is your day. We just want to pray for the families in Oklahoma. Uh, we pray your grace and mercy there. We pray uh, provision for people who are without. Uh, we pray for our, our brothers and sisters there at Love and Justice Church in Oklahoma, uh, that they would be able to help people where they are at and share the gospel with people in the middle of this, uh, and that you would use our prayers to help them. Uh, we just want to thank you, God, that, that you're enough, that you're the one who moves in all of this stuff, and that the accoutrements that we have uh, are a gift from you, uh, but they are not essential for the worship of you, Jesus. You are essential for the worship of you, and so we pray you'd be with us now. Um, you'd guide our time. You would lead uh, our hearts to see you, Jesus, for who you are, and you'd send your Holy Spirit to be with us. We pray against the enemy, his servants, their works and effects, and just pray, God, for whatever's just of me, that it would be forgotten. Uh, but the things that are of you would be remembered. Jesus, we love you. We pray these things for your glory and for our joy in your name. Jesus Christ, amen. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have some on the table over there. Feel free to get up and grab one. Uh, we will be in 1 Kings 19, starting in verse 9 today. Um, we have been looking at the life of Elijah uh, to see God's movement in Elijah's life. Not just to look at Elijah and be like, oh, there's a Bible hero. Uh, but to look at the life of Elijah and see God's movement in uh, Elijah's life. And this week we're going to look at what might be one of the most famous phrases from the Old Testament in the uh, King James Version. It's translated, a small, still voice. Uh, that's not how our Bible translate it, translates it, but if you've ever heard that phrase, it comes from uh, this book today, this section in this book. Uh, and today we're going to see something that is quintessential for our understanding of the God of the Bible. 
and that He is a God who speaks. He's a God who's revealed Himself in history. He has spoken into history, and He's most clearly spoken to us by His Son, Jesus. Uh, And this reality that God speaks uh, is what our our church and the church is really built on, uh, on the reality that God has revealed Himself into human history. God has spoken into human history, and He's most clearly spoken into human history in the life of Jesus Christ. Three things that we need to see out of this. Number one, uh, God speaks. We have a God who speaks, who, who reveals himself to people, who, who talks. It's important. Uh, number two, we need to see that he's done that in human history, that God speaks into human history. Speaks into actual times and places like he will to Elijah here. And, and number three, you need to see that God is speaking to you. Uh, so let's go ahead and dig in in 1 Kings 19, starting in verse 9. There he came to a cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So what we've seen the last couple weeks, uh, Elijah had a uh, sacrifice off between uh, the worshipers of pretend gods and the real God, real God, God of the Bible made fire come from the sky and light an altar on fire. It was awesome. Uh, Elijah leaves uh, kind of beat up because it turns out not everybody repented and they were still trying to get him. Uh, He leaves and he runs out into the woods uh, where he goes, I just want to die. And then God in his grace and mercy sustains him, takes care of him, is even somewhat tender with him, and then sends him on this journey to Mount Horeb, which is also called Sinai. And so here we are at Mount Sinai, and Elijah is speaking with God. Uh, It's really important, really, really important, uh, that we don't put a lens on the Old Testament that says, uh, yeah, God's speaking to Elijah because that's something distant and far and a long time ago, and that's what God used to do. He used to do stuff like that. Uh, that we, we kind of have this lens that that happens for Elijah, but not for us. This happens in the Old Testament, but not in the church. Uh, this happened then and not now. Uh, because we can do that when we, we approach the Old Testament. But if you look at the story of redemptive history, that God made everything and called it good, He spoke it into, uh, spoke it into creation. And he spoke to Adam and Eve, and he spoke to Abraham, and he spoke to Moses, and he spoke to Elijah, and he spoke to Paul, and he spoke to Peter. That he's a God who speaks, and that's how he operates in the universe and in the world. Um, this is hard for us. Uh, we have this. Uh, we have a problem, and our problem, and this is not. Yeah, our, our problem is this. Uh, we are so soaked in our own. Uh, enlightenment, modern, postmodern lens that it's hard for us to understand that other people see the world differently than we do and differently than the way we understand the world is. And and the issues that we even have with the Bible uh, in 2013 are not always the issues that everybody's always had with the Bible over every single time and place in history. We just have our own stuff. And, And we're actually so stoked in our own way of thinking that it's hard for us to understand that anybody else would think differently. It's true. Uh, it's even hard for us because people think differently in other places than they do in America and in the West. It's called a narrative identity. It's the way we operate. And one of the things that's really soaked in the way that we understand the world is the scientific method. And I'm into the scientific method. This is not the anti-scientific method sermon. Uh, But the scientific method says, really, you should be able to take something, put it in a lab, and reproduce it. 
Uh, I should be able to use my natural ears and my natural eyes to reproduce something. And if I can't do that, then I don't have proof and it's not really true. Right? The thing is, to hear God's voice and to experience God takes supernatural ears and supernatural eyes that God gives as God reveals Himself to us, as He shows Himself, and it turns out you can't get God to show up in the lab and prove or disprove His existence with the lab. Now, uh, there are sciency folk in our church, and I've known lots of sciency. I'm just making up words. Uh, sciency Christians who, this is stuff that even leads people to say, yeah, man, as the more I study and the more I understand natural sciences, the clearer it is to me that there is a creator in the universe and, and I think he's, Je- he's Jesus and I love him. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, it, you can't see that just from a test tube. You can't see that from a reproducible experience, uh, a reproducible experiment. Uh, the voice of God must be experienced in our life. The reality of Jesus must be experienced by us. And so often we're trying to prove or disprove God in ways that he won't be proved or disproved. Let's keep going. What are you doing here, Elijah? God speaks to him. He said, which I think is amazing because God actually knows he's omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. He actually knows what Elijah's doing there, uh, but he asks him anyways um, because he's a God who relates to us. It's awesome. He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. Uh, this kind of jealousy is really has the connotation of uh, uh, of of uh, the jealousy or or the um, the love that someone has uh, in in terms of marriage, uh, and he's saying that that God he, he, deep in here is that God is the husband of Israel, and God is in this kind of relationship with His people, and they've gone off to worship Baal, and they've gone off to to get after some pretend God, and he's saying, God, I've been jealous for that what they have done here, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, the deep abiding agreement between us and you, and they've forsaken it. Thrown down, uh, people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So he's going before the Lord and pleading his case. I'm it. I'm alone. Everyone else Everyone else has turned against you, God. I'm it. What do we do, God? And after the, oh, and behold, the Lord passed, uh, and he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. This is very reminiscent to the, the very experience that Moses had. That there's a scene where God passes by Moses. And, and and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. And here's a very powerful note. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper or as we said earlier in the King James, a, a, slow, uh, a still, silent type of voice, a low voice, a whisper of kinds. Now what's powerful here is that in the ancient Near East, everybody would have just understood, oh, gods operate in earthquakes and in fires and in lightning bolts and in this and in that. And as human beings, we look at that kind of a thing and say, now that's power. 
uh, because we have our own construct. If we were to make up what God was like in, uh, in the universe, God must be like, uh, just like if I was the guy uh, or you were, a person was the guy uh, with the power of God, what would they do? Lightning bolts and earthquakes and show their power and this and that and the other. And, and yeah, God is absolutely sovereign over all things. Uh, he's orchestrating all things. And all the gods of the ancient Near East, the, the mythologies that were told would have been about, oh, that God moved in lightning and that God moved in earthquakes. But it's being really clear here. I, I don't think there's any confusion here. It's not saying that God wasn't, wasn't operating in this earthquake or in this fire. But the note says, but that's not where he's, mani- that's not where he's manifesting his presence. This other thing would have made no sense to to people who worship false gods like Baal. But here's where God's present. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. God speaking to Elijah. God being in relationship with Elijah. God revealing himself to Elijah. Not just... uh, Rattling the clouds so everybody knows who's God around here, but also in a tender and intimate way speaks to Elijah. And when Elijah heard it, heard the voice, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. So he's in the cave, but it's actually the, sl- the sound of a low whisper that gets to Elijah. Something about that low whisper, there's no mistake that this is God speaking. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Same question. Verse 14, he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. God knew the answer the first time, and yet Elijah verbatim repeats the answer back. But that's what happens when you talk to God. You don't know sometimes. 15, and the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel to be the king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Namish, you shall anoint the king over Israel. So, the understanding of the people who worship pretend gods in the ancient Near East would have been, if so-and-so is the king of such-and-such, and Marduk is the god they worship there, Marduk must have been the one that made him king. If so-and-so is the king of Phoenicia, and they worship Baal in Phoenicia, then Baal must have been the god that made him the king of Phoenicia. What God is saying here with this guy, the Syrian king, Hazel, He's got kind of a cool name, Hazel. Um, Maybe it's just me. Um, What he's making clear of here, I'm God. I'm not going to point at myself doing that. God's saying, I'm God, and I'm the one who picks the kings. It doesn't matter what country he's in, my hand is on it. I allowed it to occur. I ordained it before the foundations of the earth. I'm not just God in Israel, and I'm not just God in Judah. I am God everywhere, period. Because we're even going to see that Hazel's not even a, it's not even on the on the team, so to speak. And Elijah, the son of Shaphat, uh, of Abel Mecholah, you shall anoint, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. 
And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazel shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Verse 18. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Elijah saying, God, don't you see? I'm the only one. I'm the only one who cares. I'm the only one who gets it. I'm the only one here. What's clear here? Elijah's not indispensable. I got a guy in line. His name's Elisha. He's practically got your name. (laughs) Right? He's next. Elijah, you're not indispensable. And not only that, Elijah, you're not the only one. There are 7,000 who have not bowed their knee and have not kissed the false gods. There's only one person who's indispensable in the community, and that's God. This is true of our church. Uh, uh, Without me, Anchor Church is still Anchor Church. Without Anchor Church, I'm not the pastor of anything. Right? There's one indispensable person in this community. His name is Jesus. There is one we cannot live without. That is Jesus. Elijah, you're just a dude. I'm just a dude. Right? My wife and I were talking about this this week. We love this church so much. If, if, we weren't, uh, if I wasn't the pastor of this church, this is the church we'd be members at. We love this church. But at the end of the day, uh, if this church gets to be in such a way that it can't do church, if you can't be church without me, we've actually missed the most essential point. We can't be church without Jesus. I love this church with all my heart. I love you guys with all my heart. But I'm not the indispensable piece here. Jesus is. Jesus is. And here God has just so clearly spoken to Elijah in this time. He has spoken into actual historical events. This is an actual historical place. We have to be careful, especially when we're in the books of the Kings, that this doesn't get all Lord of the Rings for us. Right? Um, We don't just read it and imagine the Lego scenes we're going to make with our kids and and the castles and and the fight and, you know, the cool tough thing Ahab's going to say next week. I don't want to blow the punchline, but he straight up says to the messenger, the king, hey, we're going to come and get you guys. And Ahab sends back, uh, it's best not to boast as one who's taken off the armor when you're putting it on, dude. It's the remix. Let's not talk about it like you're taking your armor off before as you're putting it on, guy. It's go time. It's the only cool thing Ahab does in like the whole book. Um, But it's good. Anyhow, Maybe it's just me that does the Lego thing, but but you got to see that it's not just this isn't just this is God speaking into history, and this is this is how God has operated. God speaks into history. Um, this whole scene here uh, would have been reminiscent very much of Moses and Sinai and God and this thing. It's called a the fancy word for it that you don't even need to remember, but it's kind of a cool word, is a theophany. That God has made his appearance as he's moved by Elijah. God has made his manifest presence known in a tangible and clear way. This is something he did in the times of Moses. And after Moses, there's this promise that there's going to be a prophet, a great prophet like Moses, but even better. And everybody would have looked to Elijah and they would have said, oh, duh. That must be it. What's our problem with that? In the Old Testament, at least, we're about to be done with Elijah. 
This, this, whole, this whole following Elijah story, we got a couple more chapters where Elijah even gets mentioned, and then he disappears until John the Baptist shows back up. People are like, wait, is that Elijah? It's just kind of a weird thing. But we could talk about that sometime. It's great. He shows up in the, in the New Testament on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and Moses. Uh, but what we need to see is they would have looked to Elijah and all of a sudden they realized, okay, God did move and manifest in a powerful and present way. But there was one who was coming who would be vastly uh, more the fulfillment of that promise around Moses. And his name is Jesus, the God of the universe in the flesh. And this is how God has spoken into the world and would speak so much clearer. If you'd go with me to Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Uh, this is what God has done, right? Verse 1, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. God has chosen to speak creation into existence. Let there be light. Go with me to John chapter 1. Starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The reason, the logos, the message. Everything God is wanting to communicate and the Word, capital W, Word, was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Redundant and clear. He's being very intentional there. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but God. And hear this, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word, the message, the thing God wants to communicate into the world incarnates. God himself, Jesus Christ, the second member of the Trinity, incarnates, coming into human history. God's messenger, Jesus, uh, unlike Elijah, who was just the messenger, God's messenger himself is the message that everything God wants to say to the world, He says so in His Son, Jesus. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Long ago, at many times, 
And in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. God has spoken into history from, through guys like Elijah. But in these last days, the time between the cross and now, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So God has spoken into history. And everybody would look at Elijah and said, oh, it's the Moses fulfillment. And then when we look at that, we say, no, I think there was actually something bigger coming. A bigger fulfillment of that great prophet in Jesus. The message, the messenger. The messenger was the message. And the thing that I think we need to see from Hebrews and from this text is that if we isolate this and say, yeah, that's nice. God spoke to Elijah that one time a long, long, long time ago. We miss that this is how God operates in the universe and that God is speaking to you. God is speaking to you. He has spoken in his son and he is speaking. Uh, my wife had the pleasure of meeting, meeting a gal at a farm because my wife, uh, if you're driving down the road and there's a farm and you can stop there, we may stop there uh, if we can. That's true. Um, she happened to stop at a farm, met a woman, then the name of the farm indicated that there might be a Christian connection somewhere in there, and they just got to talking. It turns out, yes, this woman is, in fact, a Christian. Uh, they begin to share their testimony and their story and about how they met Jesus. And this woman's testimony was this. She went to a wedding, and at the wedding, uh, here's the gospel preached. Goes to the preacher after the wedding and says, I, I, I kind of like to learn a little more about this whole Christianity thing. What do I do there? And instead of like... Uh, well, there's a lot of cool things you can do with that. But he said, here's what I'd like you to do. Here's a Bible. Open it up and ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, will you, will you talk to me? Will you speak to me through this? Will you show me Jesus? Will you make this real to me? And as she opened the scriptures, I think she read it for about a week or two, God just spoke to her. Clearly, his word from his holy word spoke to her. He speaks we miss that God has revealed himself perfectly in his son. He has given us uh, his scripture, which these are the very words of God. Uh, I believe God speaks in a variety of ways, but let us not forget, if you want tender, clear instruction from God, we have the Bible right here. And if it doesn't feel that way, it's really important to say, Holy Spirit, will you help me understand that God's speaking to me? Will you speak to me through this? He's very faithful to answer that. Uh, we miss this, right? The, 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 the thing about Christianity, the thing about the gospel, is an understanding that Jesus Christ has entered into human history. God's messenger, God's message. Died on the cross, bled and died to wash us clean to make there be no separation between us and God. Which means, 1 Timothy is really clear. There is one mediator, Jesus, between us and God. How do you talk to God through Jesus, who is God? So that means that this is a cool thing we get to do. We got some of our own preachers preaching this summer, which I'm really excited about because then I get to sit and I get to hear God's word preached with the community of God. That's a gift and a treat for me. But the reality is, is if this is the only time in the week 
that you're hearing the things that come from God, then you're missing out. I'm not the mediator between you and God. Jesus is. Right? Uh, it, it's rad. Listen to sermons. Download podcasts. Read Christian books. They are awesome. I will, I will recommend you large, boring books on the Old Testament that are awesome. But you need to know that there is, between you and God, between you and God the Father, nothing but Jesus. That the Holy Spirit moves to show you Jesus and that you can speak to and be spoken to by Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. There is one mediator between us and God the Father, and that's Jesus. And He's speaking to you. Sometimes we're a little too busy to listen, but He's speaking to you. We have a direct line. And many times in many ways God spoke, but in the last days he spoke to us through his son, Jesus. Jesus says this, John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. As his people, we hear his voice, we hear from him. And yeah, there are times when it is a burning bush. Hey, don't do that. Yes, sir. Got it. You're right. And sometimes it's a small, still voice. But he's not just speaking to Elijah. He's speaking to you, Anchor Church. What's amazing about God is he speaks uh, not just to his people. He speaks to the lost. He speaks to his people. And he speaks through his people. Uh, If you go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Start in verse 11. He speaks to you if you don't know him. Therefore, remember that at one time, you, Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, outside of the family of God. Circumcised in the Old Testament, uh, the family of God. We don't have to do that anymore. But at one point in time, outside the family, clearly and distinctly, uh, which is made by the flesh of hands, remembering that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Amazing. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. The thing between you and God was dealt with on the cross of Christ by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinance that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility. All the hostility we have uh, against God was put to death on the cross whether it's my worship of pretend gods and false idols, whether it's my own self-justification, it's my own, uh, my own making right myself in the world by my good actions. It's called religion, false religion, dead religion. I have done these things, therefore God must love me because I am awesome. Uh, when we do that, what, what ultimately happens is uh, either God's not that good and that holy and that far away from us, or I'm just not that bad. 
to look at the God of the universe and say, you know what? Because I did nice things in the world, I am right with you, holy God, for all my iniquity and all my wrongdoing. And he straight up has dealt with our wiling out. All of our keg stands and all of our wiling out and all of our wrongdoing, all of it was dealt with on the cross. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. And hear this. This is, the, this is what we need to hear. Verse 17. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to you who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Jesus was a preacher. There are a lot of things I love about Jesus. I love that he was a preacher. Jesus came and preached the truth. Not that you can pull yourself up by your own bootstraps because that will not work. But if you turn from your sin and you turn to God, the cross will deal with all your iniquity and all your sins against a holy, right, and just God. And you're welcomed into the family of God. Not because of anything you've done, but everything He's done. He has broken down the dividing wall. That's what He has done. And in doing so, he also that's the message. The things He came to do is the message we preach. Jesus saves sinners. Jesus died so you don't have to. God has taken us who are enemies and He's made us near. Now what's amazing about this in the Gospel, uh, something happens. So Jesus is both the messenger and the message. And when we're included in the family of God, we ourselves uh, embodied and embedded in our very community is the reality of the Gospel. And we ourselves as message carriers, as, as carriers of the message of the gospel in your very life, embedded in your very life, is the story of redemption. And so we too, as messengers, have embedded within ourselves the message. What do I mean by that? If you are a sinner saved by grace, because you're a sinner who's been saved by Jesus, what is embedded in your life is that Jesus saves sinners like you and like me. Uh, to tell people your story, to tell people your testimony, in and of itself isn't necessarily carrying the message, but in, in, embodied in your story, embedded in your story, is a gospel narrative. I was this way, I met Jesus. I heard the message of the man's completed work, God's completed work in the cross, and it changed me, and I am a different human being now because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus saved sinners. Now, you've got to take that home. Would you like to meet Jesus? He will save you too, just like me. And there's nothing I did to earn it. In, in, embedded in your very story, in the story of this church. In this church, there's so much redemption and, and there's so much grace and there's so much love of God in the person of Jesus here. In, in the very fact that sometimes when I look around, you say, why are we all friends? The blood. That's why. That's a big deal. There's tons of people I'm tight with that I look at, I'm like, in another life, in my other life, we wouldn't even be friends. But together we are a family because what Jesus has done, and it is evidence of, of the reality of the message that we both carry together, even in our friendship. And as message carriers, I mean, 
Luke 10, 16. This is profound. Jesus said to the disciples, He who hears you hears me. And whoever rejects you rejects me. That we are so involved in this message carrying the completed work of Jesus uh, that when you tell your coworker, your cubicle mate, your buddy, your neighbor, you tell whomever the reality of the gospel of Jesus, he who hears you hears me by the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the gospel. The God of the universe is involving you in redemptive history and somehow your voice Jesus is willing to say so much, he who hears you, hears me. That's profound. So it's not just, oh man, I got to, and, and you got to, right? Like, oh, how am I going to talk to this guy? And I got to work up the courage and he had that thing and that church and that place and the thing and his parent. No, 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 no. And you think of all the reasons why you wouldn't tell them that Jesus saved sinners. And, and you miss that who hears you, hears me. And even that if they reject you over it, they're not actually rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus, which is, Frightening and profound at the same time. He who hears you hears me. When we don't believe that God is speaking, when this, we don't take this as God's word, we don't believe the Bible as God's word, when we don't believe the church, when they tell us the gospel, we do weird stuff. I mean, when you don't believe that this is God's Word, you don't listen to it. Yeah, you know, there's some stuff in there that's nice for some people sometimes, I guess. It helped that guy get through that thing that one time I heard and whatever, but mm, I don't really buy it. And we do this in our own life. Even as Christians, we look and say, yeah, but that's not about me. I mean, that's not about my. It's about that guy in Ephesus 2,000 years ago. We don't listen, right? Not only that, when we don't believe that God's going to speak to us, we don't actually make the time to open God's Word and listen. If you never made time to hear your wife or your husband or your friends talk to you, how much would you hear them say? Nothing. You have to listen to people. If you don't listen to them, you're not going to hear them. How much time do we say, you know what, I'm going to take some time to listen. I'm not even going to set the, I'm not even going to set the quiet time timer. I'm just going to open God's word and hear what he has for me. I'm going to let him speak, and I'm going to listen, and I'm going to savor, and I'm going to take this seriously. You want God to talk to you, open this book, and you read it. And you ask for help to hear it. When we're not listening to God, we listen to all kinds of other stuff. Uh, we have a whole world that tells us a whole other story that's really different than the gospel. We have a whole world that tells us the story that you're not good enough, you don't try hard enough, you're not this enough, you're not that enough, you need to be this, you need this much money, you need to have this many things, you need to look a certain way, you need to be a certain way, and if you are that, then the world will love you. Lies. You listen to, to people. Oh, you're this way, you're that way. And sometimes you don't even take the time to say, you know what? You're talking about the me 10 years ago before I met Jesus. And we just agree. You're right, I am that guy. You're right, I'm so-and-so. You don't stop and listen. Am I that guy? 
Is that who I am? Is that who Jesus says I am? Loved son or daughter of God Most High? We listen to ourselves a lot. Too much, perhaps. If you could only do this, if I could only be this, if I could only this, we listen to the enemy. Satan loves to lie to you. Satan's real. He hates you. He wants you to die. You need to learn how to decipher that. Oh, they'll never love you. You should do this. Oh, yeah? You know what? If you had told that person about Jesus, then God would have really loved you. Or you wasted that opportunity to tell them about Jesus. You're a failure. Jesus is keeping score. I think a big one for a lot of people is realizing that when you've spent time listening to God's voice, that every time it's you spent 20 minutes reading your Bible, it should have been 40. Memorized one verse last week, it should have been two. That's not from God. God's a good dad. That's not how you treat kids. Oh, that's nice that you made your bed. You should have made it yesterday. Sorry. It's, it's not the deal. You need to learn. You need to be well acquainted with Scripture and know the truth about who you are. That you've passed from life to death. That you're loved by God. You need to listen to this way more. And the thing we do is we kind of make these agreements. You should have done this. You're, you're right, I should have. You should have done this. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right, I should have. And the more we make agreements, the more we listen and we become accustomed to. And it's hard to even filter out the reality that that's just not even who you are. And we need to listen to God and trust Him. Because this truth is what wakes us up to reality. God's Word wakes us up. A cup of cold water in the face. You're right, if I could only travel... Yeah, whatever that thing is, whatever that, that tape recorder in your head is, whether it's someone in your life or something in society or something you tell yourself or something the enemy's telling you. Um, one of my favorite scriptures to go to for this which I don't have bookmarked and wasn't planning on going there, but I think we should, is uh, Colossians. No, we'll go here. No, yeah, Colossians. Then I see another thing, and I'm like, oh, that's really good too. This is who you are. This is the truth you need to listen to. Listen to this. Listen, listen to this. We'll start in verse 8, Colossians chapter 2. See that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits, those are demons of the world, and not according to Christ. This is what I'm talking about. This is the listening. For in him the fullness of deity dwells bodily, the messenger, the message, the redeemer, Jesus Christ. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. That's who you are, Anchor Church. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. It's nothing you did or anyone did. It's what he did. By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who are dead, this is you and me, you who are dead in your trespasses, in the uncircumcision of the flesh, God made alive together with him.
having forgiven us all our trespasses. You're more forgiven than you can actually imagine. You've been forgiven from sins you don't even know you've committed. That's the depth of that. There's stuff that you don't even know you did that you've been forgiven for. That you didn't even realize was an offense to a holy God that's been covered by his blood. You can't do that kind of accounting. That's how forgiven you are. That's who you are in Christ. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. It's on the cross 2,000 years ago. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is what we need to listen to. This is what we need to know. This is what reality is. But Jesus saves sinners like you and me, and we're his, and we're, we belong to God, and the Holy Spirit is with us, and he's speaking. He's speaking. If you don't know Jesus, this is reality. God will speak to you. He speaks to us in a variety of ways, and the clearest way he speaks to us is through his word. He is God. He's preaching forgiveness to you. The, the, the reality of his cross. Turn from your sin and turn to him. God is real and God is speaking through Jesus, through the Spirit. And if you're a Christian, it's a good time to take stock of what you're listening to. The world is loud, the opposition is loud, the enemy is loud. You can be loud. I can be loud. Sometimes when you take a second to listen to the small, still voice and actually open God's word and actually trust him to speak to us. Let's pray. burning bush boomed. A small, still voice unmistakably spoke. Jesus, you came as a man to communicate everything that God wanted to say to us and in the new heavens and in the new earth you will pronounce that the dwelling place of God is with man we are busy our society is loud our radios are on our phones are on our TVs are on our computers are on our cars are on Help us, God, to hear you, Jesus, in this mess, in the midst of all this mess. Help us to listen to you. Um, not to the TV, and not to the magazines, and not to the, the friends who don't have our best interests in mind, and not to ourselves when we disbelieve the reality of who you are and what you've done. Holy Spirit, be with us. Speak to us. Help us to hear and to know. Jesus, we love you. You've spoken.
and are speaking. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, the band's going to come back up here in a second. Uh, we'll take communion together as a family. Um, this is our time to remember that Jesus Christ came into human history, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and that Jesus Christ has made complete and perfect access to, for us to God. We're loved and we're forgiven. First uh, Corinthians is clear. Take time. You've got to take some time and look. Take some time to look at what you're doing in life and what you're listening to. But also when we stand up to take this, we take this with joy because Jesus has already done everything for us to get to God. He did it all. So logistically what we're looking at here is uh, this is gluten-free on the little plate. This is regular bread on the larger plate. This is grape juice. That's a basket for the work of the offering. We give joyfully and regularly and sacrificially. Um, if God has put something on your heart to share with the church, grab myself or uh, Pastor Mark Ketzel and we'll pray about it and see if indeed uh, that is something for the church. And, and if so, we'll have you share it with the church. Um, and when you're ready, let's get up and sing.